Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by guest speaker, Pastor Chris Cruz. Well, hi, my name is Chris Cruz. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the young adults pastor at Bethel. Uh, yeah, the boring place up north. It's true. Well, that, if you look, yeah, we'll just stop right there. But I have, I have a slide. Could you guys throw that first one up there? I want to show you. That's my beautiful family. That is my dream come true of a wife right there. Yep. That is my son. Uh, my, that's my wife, Lana. My dream come true right there. She is extraordinary. Um, she's actually from Canada. And so the, she is from um, just outside of Calgary. And so we go up there often. So that's my beautiful wife, Lana. Uh, my son, Solomon. Right there, he's just over two and a half. He's a tank. Like, I just got news. I'm, as you can see, especially when Pastor Greg was up here, as soon as you, I, was, I leaned over to Noah, I was like, man, that dude is tall. I was like, he is tall. And so I just got news from our doctor. Apparently, they can kind of predict height for children after a certain point. And they're like, hey, he's on track to be about six foot. I said, yes and amen. I said, let's go. Left foot, right foot, soccer ball, let's go. What sports are we playing? All my dreams come true in you. I, I'm, I'm five foot eight on a good day. On a good day, I'm five foot eight. And so I'm like, soccer, we can, we can work. You don't have to be super tall to play soccer. And so we can work on that. And then, you know, as we know, the U.S. national team, if you follow soccer, we got a little bar, so we can, we can do this. We can do this. I told him, I was like, if you want to play for Canada, you can. We can figure this out. We can, go, we can go jump over there, play for a little bit, come back, and we'll work this out. So that's my son, Solomon. Uh, and then that's my little beautiful daughter, Pearl. She was the fun story behind her birth that will always mark her birth is we were evacuated from the car fire. Um, and so when we were evacuated from the car fire, the fire burned all up to my house and burned, the foundation, burned around the foundation of my house, um, all of my backyard and all of that. And we were evacuated. My, my wife was nine months pregnant and like do any day. And it was like, all right. We were like, all right. We were searching for homes to be like, hey, who has a home that we're going to be in for a good amount of time because we're going to have a baby. And, um, and then we, we were, it was amazing to be able to go back to our house and go in there, clean everything out. It was good to go. The day we got back, the next evening, my wife went into labor. She's like, she's like, cook, I think she was cooking like mac and cheese. And we're like, we're just so tired from everything. We're like, we're going to have mac and cheese. And, and she's like, I was like, hey, I should probably go get a gift for Solomon because this is coming soon. Let me just get this. And, and so she's like, you're not leaving. I'm like, okay. She's like, these were, and we're, we're, uh, we, have, we had our both, we had Solomon at a birthing center about 35 minutes away from Reading. And so it's not like a five minute drive. It's like, hey, we're, we're going. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm kind of both like excited and nervous at the same time. I'm excited because I'm like, I want a cop to pull me over where I'm doing 90. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I, I, but then when it really happened, I was just like, whoa, okay, calm, steady, drive. So we ended up driving down and had our beautiful daughter, Pearl. She was, she's a gem. My son is, um, the, the, if I can describe my son, he's got the curiosity of his mother. His, Lena is the adventurer in our family. She's the one that is constantly pushing us to do new and exciting things. My son has that curiosity with my determination. And so it was like, you're going to climb that couch and then jump off. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, my, I have three brothers. And so I called my mom and I was like, how did you do this? <laughs> With, uh, I, mom, I got, I got a two-month-old and just a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I'm like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying in the house all day. <laughs> like, Forget it, life. We live in a commune. Let's, we're staying in this house all day. We are going nowhere. Nowhere. And he's in that spot right now where everything is his. Mine. No, this is mine. So it's fun. But then also it's, at times he's, he says the, the cutest things. All of a sudden one, one night at dinner, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, he's singing something. And I'm like, what is he singing? 
And so I'm like, I just don't know what he's singing. And then all of a sudden, as clear as day, he starts singing. And I'm like, what is, and he's singing, I will give you all my worship at dinner. And I'm like, you can throw every car anywhere. You can break anything you want in the house. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my family. That's, that's us. They're, they, they're so much fun. Okay, so that's my family. You know a little bit about me. I am from Jersey. I came from there. I'm Puerto Rican family, so I talk fast. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, already like, this guy talks way too fast for me. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will try to slow down. Uh, but yeah, so I'm the young adults pastor, though. That's what I do full time. I used to work in the school of ministry there. And now that I'm the young adults pastor, I've been doing that for almost three years. So it's exciting. It's fun. It's crazy at times. And all, all the above. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the advocate to kind of like change the, the, the way that the people in church worlds talk about millennials and going, let's, let's change the conversation. Let's change the tone. Let's figure out a way to see this differently because they're not all as you think they are. And so it's, yeah. I'll, that's right. They're over there. And I'm like, where's the millennials that they're over here? <laughs> they're like, they're like, they don't even want to be called that. And I'm, I'm 31. So anyway, let's pray. Let's pray and we'll, we'll go from there. You can just sit in your seats and I'll just pray and we will. It'll work out. Oh, Jesus. Father, in you we live, we move, and we have our being. We ask you to guide us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. That we would be reminded constantly in every way, that your face is shining upon us. That you don't need convincing. That you're not reluctant toward us. That we don't need to twist your arm. You are in love with us. You are caught up in us. You are just looking at us with such delight. Let us have the revelation like David said when he was in your presence that said, who am I that you are mindful of me? That you are thinking about me. Let us have that insight into your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, hey, before I preach, what I want to do is do some prophetic ministry with our team. I brought our third-year students who are with us. So we'll jump right in. You guys ready for that? You guys good? Cool. Team, why don't you guys come on up and... They're going to get some prophetic words for you guys. Yeah, you can welcome them. That works. Awesome. So you ready to go? Ready. Awesome. This is Noah. This is Noah. This is his wife, Joelle. Joelle. And this is Kelsey. So this is our third-year students who are serving at our Young Adults Ministry with me. And so they came on the trip. They drove down with me. So go ahead, Noah. Sorry. The the lady that has the purple hair that was up here dancing, would you stand up? What's your name? Kalisha. Kalisha. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I just had this moment where I was standing over here and you, you moved across uh, the sanctuary over here and was, were dancing. And it was, it was like the, this wind of heaven blew past me. And immediately I was taken up into a vision of, of the throne before the Lord. And I saw you in there and you were just dancing before the Lord. And there was this delight on his face as he was just watching you worship him and, and dance. And so I just want to, um, I want to encourage you that, that as you dance, it's actually a place of freedom. It's actually a place of encounter and a place of, um, of intimacy with the Lord. And, And the second that you start dancing immediately, he brings you up into the throne room and says, this is where your dance, this is where your dance belongs. And you can keep standing. There's more. Um, and, and not only that, but just I felt like because of the encounter that I had, that same encounter that you have up in the throne room, like when you dance, it brings people up into the throne room as well. And I feel also that there's this this Esther anointing on your life where the Lord has actually called you into the palace and he's, he's, he's raising you up to be a woman that is of no compromise. And, um, and I just saw this, this river 
flowing from the top of your head and coming down into your heart. And the river was going wherever it pleases into areas that maybe have felt dry, into areas that maybe have felt hidden. And that the Lord was just bringing new life. He's bringing new waters into your heart and restoring things that have been broken and bringing new uh, new things to life. And so um, if there's just a few people around her, you just want to lay your hands on her. I just want to bless you. And yeah, God, we just, we thank you for the, for new life. Uh, and we just thank you for the new thing that you are doing in here, Father. We thank you for uh, just your river of mercy, your river of love that's coming into her heart right now, Lord. Yeah, we thank you for just the, the dry places, places that have seemed hopeless, just coming to life right now. We thank you for abundance in Jesus' name, Lord, and we just thank you for her dance, for her, um, for her vulnerability to just come before you as a daughter and to, sh- to do something so beautiful, so intimate before you, Father. And I thank you that you see that and you honor that and you have given her just the most beautiful gift, Father, in your name. Amen. There is a gentleman on this side, right in the middle. You have a dark collared shirt on with glasses. Would you stand up? Yes. What's your name? You have to say that again. Zoltan, okay. Um, the second I got into the room before worship started, the Lord just highlighted you, and I was overwhelmed by his, um, his tenderness for you, almost like how Chris was talking about his son his love for his son. I just felt that over you from the Lord. Um, also, when I was praying for you during worship, I, I saw you, um, I saw the prayers that you've been praying for years that you, ne- you haven't necessarily sawn fruit from, but I saw that the Lord, um, I felt like the Lord wants you to know that this year you're gonna reap for what you sowed in prayers for years. And I just, yeah, yeah, I just saw your prayers maybe even decades of prayers were being planted in the ground. And I saw like this year, them coming up and growing and having um, just fruition. And I just, yeah, I just felt the Lord's excitement over you, his love for you. I saw you, I was back there worshiping and I saw you worshiping and I just felt the Lord's just joy over you, the way that you love him. And he's so excited to give to you and bless you. And I also, I'm not sure if you do things with computer science or something along those lines, but I just saw um, that you have an engineering brain, that you are smarter than you know, and the Lord's given you that gift. Um, And I feel like the Lord's going to give you downloads from heaven, things that you have, um, dreams that hobbies, um, just things that you love that make you you, the Lord's going to give you downloads from heaven and how to bring the kingdom through those things. So if there's people around him, would you also lay hands on him if he's okay with that? And we just bless your nighttime. We bless the dreams that the Lord's going to give you. We say that your brain is so much powerful than you know. We say that he's going to give you downloads from heaven and the prayers that you've prayed for years. And I I know that you know what I'm talking about. I feel that so strongly. You're going to see them come into fruition this year. And he wants to bless you for the perseverance and the dedication that you have sown into prayer. And he loves you. And I just, um, the name Mark and Scott came up and I don't know if those mean anything to you, but when I was praying about it, Mark 1.11, you are the son with whom I am well pleased. The son with whom I am well pleased. And we just bless that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Is there anyone in here named Peter or Andrew? So a lot of Andrews and a lot of Peters. If you could just stand up, if you're Peter or Andrew. Yeah. Okay. Do any one of you um, struggle with cataracts, like uh, cloudy vision? Okay. Just, okay. Um, Does any one of you know anyone named Cindy or Cynthia? Okay, the word's for you. Um, You guys can sit down. She's going to go for this one. Yeah. You're good. You got, yeah. Um, So... I actually got this word last night. I actually had a dream about you. Um, and I actually feel, um, I feel like God is opening doors in your life. Um, I don't know if you're thinking about getting a new home. Um, but yeah, I just saw a picture of God building your house, but he was building it 
backwards. Like he put your roof first and then he put your walls and then he's like establishing your foundation. I feel like that's what God's doing in your life. He's rewiring the way that you think and the way that you see him. And I actually, um, I saw this huge wave come and hit your house and it took your house over. And I feel like that's the presence of God over your ministry. And I also feel that over your family as well. Um, do you have any kids yet? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually see your kids carrying the mantle that you're actually carrying now. So yeah, just bless you with that. Cool. Awesome. Stay, stay standing, bro. I got a word for you, too. I'm going to, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks. When do you thank them real quick? They did a great job. Thank you. But yeah, stay standing. Um, what I, what I felt for you as you were up here doing, uh, doing announcements, I started to uh, feel this thing that was, um, it was almost um, what, I can, what, what I can relate it to was someone going from, from um, different places to refine their voice. And I felt like the Lord was taking you through a voice refinement, meaning your, your physical speaking voice and, and your inner voice on what you're bringing to the world. I feel like you're, you're stepping into, uh, if I could say it like this, you're stepping into streams that I'm t- sometimes you're like, this is a little bit different than us, but I really know that I need that peace. And I feel like you're going, okay, now how does this become me and I feel like the Lord is actually starting to like make it part of your inner world in such a way that this next season, that that testing of your voice, how does it work? How do I lead? How do I do this? God is God is going to give you a confidence that comes from your like. All right, I've tested all these things. I've figured these things out for me, and now I I feel this new level of just rest where I'm. I've checked out that, that that doesn't work for me over here. This doesn't work for me over here, but this works for me right here. And I feel like there's this whole new amplification of your voice in this season that you're like, okay, what does it look like to have this kind of influence? What does it look like to have that kind of impact on people? Where, some, where all of a sudden you're gonna, people are gonna say, hey, this really impacted me, what you say. And you're like, whoa, okay, there's a whole new thing happening that's just changing from just saying things to influencing people. And so I feel like this transition is happening for you. So I bless you, man. So, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, this is my timer. So if you a- amen me, I drink faster. You get out earlier. I told him, keep the doors locked until at least three, and then we'll be good. Um, no. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about this or realized that Jesus responds to stressful situations slightly different than you might. I don't know if you've ever looked at the life of Jesus and gone and said, man, there's some things that he does. Like somebody dies and he waits three days. Okay, there's a storm and he sleeps. There's wrongful accusation and he's silent. There's enemies and then there's this love. There's violent treatment of him and then all of a sudden there's this no retaliation. This way that Jesus is in the world that is so different than I know for me at times. And so there is this the thing that I, that I love about Jesus, though, is he's not this distant, far-off, unattainable example that you and I just look to kind of in an idealistic way, but Jesus embodies what everything God wanted humans to embody. And so that there's, Jesus is, if I could say it like this, Jesus is God's dream come true for you and I. What God intended for every single one of us, Jesus fulfilled, and not only just doing it once, but paving a way for you and I to interact with this. And as disciples of Jesus, there is a way for us to begin to interact with this idea and this concept of life that Jesus offers us, this way of looking at reality that Jesus offers us, that as as one of the, I think discipleship can sometimes feel like such a church term that we're, we don't really know what we mean. But if we looked at it as, um, you know, Dallas Willard, a great theologian and philosopher said, if we just look at ourselves as apprentices to Jesus, 
That if we look at the apprenticeship to Jesus and what this means to cultivate the inner life of Jesus in ourselves, we'll find that, the, that this, this way of life will actually help us to do this. That is to stop thinking worry is responsible. I want to talk to you about these three different things. You can put that slide up. It's faith, mystery, and presence. That's going to be the three movements of the rest of the time I'm going to talk to you guys about is faith, mystery, and presence. So if you're looking for something, there, there it is that you got it. But um, the, the way that Jesus kind of displays his life as living in the kingdom of God, living in the place where God's will flows like a river without barriers, the kingdom of God is imagined like a river that is flowing without any contest, without any restrictions. It's flowing like a river without barriers that what is in the heart of God is flowing. And it's a reality that is or it's an ordered reality. Okay. In the same way, this is an ordered reality. That is an ordered reality. This, the kingdom of God is an invisible ordered reality though. And we gain access to this ordered reality through faith in Jesus. Jesus, it says that we have access to one father through Jesus and through the spirit. So this reality is that faith, we need to start to examine and look at faith in a slightly different way. You guys ready? The, the Western church at times has handicapped faith. And the way that they've handicapped faith is that they've made it live here. I'm sorry, that was my alarm, my noon prayer alarm. Forgive me. They've made lived here. Now, faith is not opposed to thinking. Faith is not opposed to reasoning. Faith is not opposed to logic. But it, it can be handicapped by these things as well. So it's not opposed to thinking. It's not opposed to critical thinking and intelligence and, in, and, and the intellect and, and all these great and fascinating things we can do with our mind. But it also is not handicapped by that. And what, what, what I want to get at in this is this idea that faith isn't the conclusion of reasoning. It's not the elimination even of all your questions. When, when we make faith the elimination of all our questions, it fails us in moments where mystery is involved. When faith is the idea that I've removed every single question I have and then I'm hit with a situation and a circumstance or an opportunity or something happens that I can't quite define or I can't figure out and I would describe it as whether it's good or bad when I'm hit with this scenario, mystery starts to be introduced into our life which is knowing and unknowing. There's a degree of I have this and a degree of this that I don't get and when we say faith is the, the idea that you have got rid of all your doubt and all your questions are gone. We get to this go and we go, I don't have that. And then all of a sudden we're, we, have this, can we, have, we can have this derailing moment because faith has been the conclusion of answers. This faith is only as strong as the answers we have. So whenever a question is brought up that we don't have an answer to, all of a sudden we go, I don't have faith. Because faith has been connected to how confident I am in my answers. how confident I am in my answers, that makes me go, okay, wow, my faith level is determined by my answers. And already to, to examine faith levels, Jesus kind of disrupts that whole system already. When he throws mustard seed ideas out there, he's kind of going, guess what? We're going to toss this whole thing around. So you can't really grab this faith level thing. What you can grab is the object of your faith. Faith is like the eye. It's not preoccupied with itself. It's a way of seeing. Okay, the eye does not look at the eye. The eye is foreseeing, so it's not preoccupied with the way that it sees. Or sorry, it's not preoccupied that it sees. It's preoccupied with what it sees. So faith is not sitting in this thing going, oh, how do I look at my faith? But more, how do I look at Jesus? How do I look more at the object of my faith? Because when we start to think through, how do I look at the level of my faith? Sometimes we go, how can I eliminate every question I have? Get to a place of intellectual certainty. And when I get to that place of intellectual certainty, I can say, then I have faith. Yeah. 
We need to transition from faith just being in what we believe to the person we trust. So it's not simply going, okay, I've got all the right beliefs nailed down. I got them all down. I got no questions. You ask me about this. You ask me about that. I've got that. It takes you only a matter of minutes to engage with somebody on questions and you're going, I don't got an answer for that one. And then whenever we get more answers than we have questions, everything starts getting a little funky anyway. But the idea that we can transition faith from being, all right, I've got all the right answers to, I've got the right person I'm trusting in. A.W. Tozer said, faith is the gazing of the soul upon a saving God. And what's interesting, when faith transitions from being how certain I am to all my answers to I have confidence in God, faith starts being more defined as trust. In Proverbs 3, there's an interesting, I love, we all know Proverbs 3 so well. I'm going to jump around a couple verses at different times tonight, tonight, today, jeez. We know, the, we know the famous one, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But later on in Proverbs 3, I, I, love, I love where it says, do not be afraid of the sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. There's a difference between your answers being your confidence and the Lord being your confidence. There's a difference between your answers being the confidence and the Lord being your confidence. Jeremiah actually says in Jeremiah um, 17, look at this interesting verse, Jeremiah 17. Blessed, this is verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for it leaves its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. When Jesus offers us this opportunity to go, hey, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. When you think more about how do I not be anxious versus more how do I trust in him, that's like, that's gonna start being weird, right? Because you're gonna go, you're, you're gonna be focusing on, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. And you're like, oh gosh, anxious thought came in. You're like, okay, okay, just don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. And then especially somebody who's kind of dealing with a little bit of like low-grade anxiety and you're like, hey, don't be anxious. You're like, ha, ha, ha. Back up. Back up. Because we, we want, the, we want the, this lifestyle of not being anxious without gaining the overall lifestyle of Jesus. We want Jesus on the spot of not being an anxious person, but we don't have the development of the inner world of Jesus that results in not being an anxious person, which is an, like a, a, such a confidence in his father's love and delight in him that leads him to such a confidence in God that he can move forward not being anxious because he knows the intention of his father for him. Um, my, my, my son, as I showed you a picture of him, I remember when he was born and he was laying down in his, um, uh, when we brought him home, we laid him down on his changing table and I'm looking at him and I'm going, man, this, there's this heart that's going out to him, right? All he can say is, like a little dinosaur, <laughs> and poop. There's no articulation from him quite yet. There's no requests being made. But yet, everything inside of me is going, all of my world is at your disposal and is yours. He has not prayed a perfect prayer yet. He's not figured out how he's going to do this life. But before he's doing anything, the intention of my heart for him is so intense that I go, your requests don't define my care for you. 
But when we, what we, if we don't have that revelation of the Father, what then goes is, okay, it's about getting, you know, I make sure I got to have all these right beliefs, and then it's going to be about how, what I pray, and make sure it's got to be the perfect prayer, because the perfect prayer is going to be the one that gets the breakthrough. When I go, the heart of the Father for you is before you even start praying. Before you even can articulate it. And that's why there's a beautiful place in resting that you're going, okay, you know what? This is a different kind of prayer that isn't simply just articulating my list. You guys following me on that one? Okay. So when we start to, when we start to move forward with trust as being the way that we define faith, we start thinking, okay, it's not just blind acceptance of things going, okay, I just, yep, faith, I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. I'm going to ignore all these things because all these things make me feel like I don't have faith. I don't have, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. It's not going, okay, let me get to the intellectual certainty. Let me answer all the questions about this. Because for, 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 for the journey that we're on, sometimes our faith and our hope is as strong as our answers are to the situations which ultimately is not a hope in God. It's a hope in your ability to answer questions. And then the other one is my hope and my faith are only as strong as my ability to forecast problems and show how I could solve them before they even happen. That looks like going, I'm stressed about my money. How am I going to get to a place of peace? Oh, I can pull from this bank account. I can do this thing. I can do that. I can get this extra job. I can do these things. And what we'll do is instead of allowing ourselves in this place of moment of mystery where we don't quite know what's going on, instead of allowing ourselves to be anchored in the presence of God, we get anchored in our solutions. And so then what ends up happening is our confidence and our hope are only as strong as our ability to forecast problems. So we're thinking, where can this go wrong? That way I can already solve it before it gets wrong. And I'm never peaceful in the journey because I'm always trying to figure out where it's going to go south. That way I can already figure out how to fix it. And then I'm going to be, oh, okay, cool. I feel good. I figured out we could do it this way. We're good. And it's not anchoring in the presence of God. It's not anchoring ourselves in him. It's anchoring ourselves in our ability to forecast problems and come up with great solutions. Because the question here is, can I, can trust be responsible? The place that mystery sends you is the question, can trust be responsible? Because worry feels responsible. You ever talk to somebody who's worried about the situation and then you're not worried and they're like, you're not taking this seriously. And you're like, okay, whoa, I didn't know that worry was the responsible answer. I didn't know that I needed to say like, whoa, this is serious. This is going south. Like, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Like as if I have to amplify the problem to, and then if I amplify the problem to such a degree, then God's going to be like, hey, you figured it out. You've worried enough. You've got enough anxiety about this to now I will interact with you and rescue you from your anxiety. Because we feel as if we were able to navigate this calmly, somehow we're operating in a little bit of, we wouldn't say it like this, but we're operating in a degree of arrogance. We're like, if I don't worry, somehow I'm just not doing this right. Because worry has felt so responsible. It's felt so responsible to talk about how hard this is going to be or the problem I've got in front of me, how difficult this is. It feels responsible to do that. What it doesn't feel responsible is to rest in trust and go, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to come. Because when you say that and somebody's faith is determined by answers, they go, what What do you mean you don't know how this is going to work? Because faith is about how clear we are on how this is going to work out. But when it's going, I'm anchoring myself in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, I am so assured of my father. I've realized not only does he have all this ability, he's for me. Because that's the greatest question, right? Is the God who has all of this ability actually for me? Because if he's for me, I can rest and trust him. But if I'm unsure of whether he's for me, if I am unsure that his intentions and his desire before I could even articulate anything, if I can say, you are for me, then I'm not trying to navigate this thing, trying to convince you. 
I'm not trying to navigate this thing to amplify my worry. What I'm trying to do is to tap into the reality of the kingdom of God where all of that realm is confident. All of the kingdom of God is confident in him. You see, James says something so interesting. He says even demons can recite the truth. So when we make faith just our ability to answer the thing and go, this is how it's going to work out. and just is the truth of the situation. I go, even demons can do that. There's a difference between being able to recite truth and relying upon a person. There is a difference between being able to recite a principle and putting your person at risk by trusting in a person. There's a difference. Isaiah 20, uh, 26, 3 says, you, keep, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The peace here is not because they've gotten all the answers. The peace here is because they trust in him. The action whew, is faith in a person. Resting in the person, going, this is who you are. Because mystery creates those opportunities to be anxious. <laughs> and they're inevitable. That's why in Proverbs, he talks about the sudden terror, these moments where things where you're like, oh man, my brother just made the worst decision of his life. And the pain is so intense and I don't have solutions to solve it. I don't have answers to how this is going to work out. And for some reason, just saying all things work together for good doesn't feel like it's working right now. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. We are like, the situation is painful. And the, if I don't get honest about the morning, I can't get honest about the comfort. And the, the morning is not trying to solve it. The morning is to allow yourself to be honest about what's going on so that the presence of God can actually comfort you. It's like going in for a hug and, and, and putting something going in your hands and being like, I want to hug you, but I've got all these things that I want to do. Versus just coming going, How, you know what? I need to let go of all these things that, are, that I'm trying to, to use as security that, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll, I can figure this out. They can do this now. Or they, and we reach it, and it's not bad in, per se, but it's the idea that we're not allowing ourselves to be anchored and secure in him. We're anchored in how good we are at problem solving. We're still, instead of just resting, going, you know what? I'll hold on one second. Before we problem solve, we need to be anchored in the reality that God is for us, that there's no way we can, we can go through this. Okay, hold on, time out. Let the presence of God just surround me and anchor me in him. And then all of a sudden, there comes this peace, right? And the problem with this is this, okay? The presence of God and the awareness of the presence of God in our life does not necessarily change the problem. And we're so... At times, we are so addicted to pragmatism over presence, we want God to solve it versus comfort us. And so if the solution doesn't, if the thing I'm getting right now does not solve that problem, then I don't know how this comforts me. Because that's the problem, not my inner world. No, the inner world is your, that's the problem. It's there. It's going, wow, I am such an anxious person. I am, I rest, like, talk about rest? No way. I am going 24-7. I wake up in the morning and my phone is the first thing I'm grabbing. And I'm, I'm actually not anchoring myself regularly in the presence of God. I'm anchoring myself in another reality that is not the kingdom of God. And so I'm figuring out now this problem comes. I'm going, okay, the only way to solve this is to, is to solve the problem because my inner world does not know how to go through chaos. Because my inner world has not figured out how to navigate a way for me to be anchored in the presence during chaos, during craziness, during, during a moment where someone falsely accuses me, during a moment where someone dies and Jesus is saying, I am still restful. Someone, someone is 
hitting me, attacking me, and my words to them are forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That, oh, oh, you know what? You're gonna, you're gonna falsely accuse me. I'm not gonna defend myself. That's not the problem. The problem I go is my inner world. How, am I, how is my inner world going through this journey? I'm becoming more and more and more and more aware of his nearness in times when I really want solutions that are gonna solve the problem immediately. So I walk through the valley, not airlifted out, It's I walk through the valley. I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's presence and mystery. That's the thing. It's the presence and mystery. Because I don't have answers for this and, I, and, and I'm not, I don't know how this happened. I don't even know where we're going with this thing. But what I do know is that you're with me and that is enough. You see, my son, there was a stint of time where my son was waking up at one o'clock and going to bed at four again in the, mor- in the morning. Waking up at one in the morning, going back to bed at four, I was, it was chaos. But my son would freak out all of a sudden and start crying in the middle of the night. And I'd, so I'd go into his room. My first words when I come into the room are not, turn the light on. Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing in this room that's scary. Look, it's all your toys, all these things. Look at this, this is your room and I'm your dad. Look at, you're okay. My first words when I walk into the room, I am here. I'm here, buddy. I'm here, buddy. Because presence satisfies what the heart needs, but may not satisfy what the mind's wanting. And if faith becomes trust in his presence, I will be satisfied in his nearness while I still have questions. I can, be, I can, I can live in his nearness over the answers to the questions I have. Because trust leads me to be comforted by his presence and not all the answers. I love the moment in what we call Doubting Thomas. If you look at the story, Jesus walks through a wall. Now, let's put a little bit of context around Thomas for a second. Thomas is with the guys. Like, Thomas didn't, Thomas is not gone. What we do when we read Thomas's story is we read Thomas's story through the lens of our, you ready for this? We read Thomas through our distaste for doubt or our distaste for not having answers and how ye have little faith language. So when Thomas starts to talk, we read him with a harsh tone. We don't read him with a person who, who said, I'm all in and something happened that I do not understand. The guy that I was relying on is dead. And he doesn't run away. So we're not seeing a Thomas who's now gone out in the countryside and given it up. Thomas is still among them. Thomas is living with this question now in this moment. We, we, but we read him with this harshness because we're like, we, no, don't tolerate anything like that. Don't tolerate any questions. Especially as we're engaging with the next generation, there's these questions that we're like, oh yeah, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. And so then we go, your faith is only as strong as your answers, so don't ask that question. Or you're going, that's a great question. That's a great question. I don't have an answer for that one. But it doesn't shake me because my, my faith is in the person, not my answers. And so I'm not shaken by your question. So... So now Thomas, it says in John 20, verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. They're they're kind of giving you context. He wasn't with the 12 when they saw Jesus and Jesus like resurrected. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. We read him with this harsh atheist attitude. Unless I have these things, I won't believe. That's not Thomas. Thomas is seeing all this stuff go down. His brothers in Christ are running to him, going and saying, we've seen him, Thomas. Thomas, we've seen him. We've seen him. Thomas, you're not going to believe it. But we've seen him. He's alive. And Thomas, imagine the chaos going on inside of him, going, I just had to settle in my heart that this thing is over. That the pain that's going on inside of him, going, I did not work the way I wanted it to. I put it all in and... It's not going the way I thought it was going to go. And they come back thinking, this is good. This is it, Thomas. Thomas, we can tell you it's good. We're good. We're good. He's alive. And Thomas, now if we read Thomas from that lens, he, he changes. It goes like this. It's, it feels something more like this. Oh, unless I see his hands. The mark of the nails and place my finger in there and place my hand into his side, oh, then I'll have confidence in him again. Thomas is saying, I need an encounter with him. I need to taste him. I can't rely on what you guys are trying to give me right now. You guys saw him, so you have something that I don't have right now. I didn't, but I need what you had. It's no longer the atheist Thomas here. It's the Thomas that's saying, I need the encounter you guys just had. You saw him. I didn't. And unless I get that, it's not going to happen for me. Eight days later, his disciples were inside and Thomas was with them. So we know Thomas is not running for the hills. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Now, if we take this scenario, we know that before Thomas talks about, this is what I need to believe, we have a bunch of people around Thomas saying, he's alive, this is incredible, our faith is strong, we're anchored now, we're going. According to the paradigm of God, you know, my level of faith determines a lot of these things, Jesus walks right past everybody who saw him before. All the people that were confident, he walks right past them. He walks right past them. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. You notice he does not rebuke him. You know, he does not rebuke him in his mystery. You know, he does not rebuke him in his moment of going, I don't know what's going on. He doesn't go up to you. You of little faith, Thomas. You of, oh, you know what, Thomas? You shouldn't have even thought this was going to go sour for a moment. Your thoughts are so wrong. Thomas is going, my head doesn't make sense of this, but I'm still here. Some of you, that's the thing right now. You're going, my head doesn't make sense of this stuff, but I am here. I'm in the room. I haven't given up, but I don't have answers to these questions. And then Jesus walks up to Thomas and does exactly what Thomas said he needed. Place your hands here, Thomas. Put your hand here. He doesn't go, oh, your answers? I don't answer to you, Thomas. Don't put your requests on me, Thomas, as if I'm to bow to you. He goes like this, like a father. And he goes, okay, what do you need, bud? What do you need? You need to see my hands? You need to see my side? You need to see the signs of my commitment to you? Did you catch that? Yeah. Do you need to see the signs of my commitment to you, Thomas? Do you see the scars? Jesus doesn't get rid of his scars. We don't get, there's a difference between scars and wounds. He doesn't get rid of the scars. He goes, hey, did you, you want to see him, Thomas? You want to see the extent? my commitment to you, my love for you, my, my complete givenness to you, here they are. And we, 
we got to get out of our framework that believe is cognitively getting every answer. He says, do not, let's put it like this, do not lose confidence, but have confidence. Thomas answered him and said, my Lord, my God. Follow this. Jesus said to him, have you believed? Now this is where we get a harsh again. Now Jesus is coming in harsh because Thomas was, you know, oof, she needs it. This is where we get it again. Jesus says, have you believed because you have seen Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's almost like come in close, come in close, come in close, come in close. That's how we read it. But Jesus is going, okay, Thomas, you needed this. Now let me help you go forward into mystery without me. There's a way to go forward without having answers, Thomas, and it's the confidence you just gained right here with me. So blessed are those who believe without seeing. Can you go into mystery now, Thomas? Can you go into the rest of your life not knowing what's going on, not knowing at times how this is going to work out because you have this moment with me? Let's go together, Thomas. It's so different than what we think about that story because when we're going, oh, it's got to be intellectual and he's going to rebuke the questions. He's going to rebuke you for wondering. No, it's like when you're praying for somebody for healing, you've got to go, your, your, your thoughts are like, this. I can only have thoughts about God healing you. Only thoughts about God healing you. God, only God can, go, okay, 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 okay. Healing, 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 healing. I got to say it so much that I don't have time to think about any other thoughts. I can't let any thought come in. Oh, okay, hey, it's your financial situation. You're choosing to give to somebody in a tough season and you're going, oh, okay, there's more. I have money, I have money, I have money, I have money, 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 money. I've got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Just take it out of my hand. Take it quick, 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 quick. Because I got it. can't let any doubtful thoughts come in. I can't let any questions come in. I can't let anything come in because then if that comes in, it disrupts the whole system because I've got to do it with 100% faith. Versus going, this is hard. I have questions about how this is going to work out. But you're with me. And I trust in you more than these things. Here you go, have this. And then you go back on, I still have these questions. God, I feel anxious. I feel worried about my finances. Now it's going, do I actually believe that you will care for me beyond my ability to care for myself? Do I trust that? Do I trust that truth about who you are? Do I rest on that? Because if I do, then I can actually allow myself to sit in this versus going, quick, all right, let me go get a second job really quickly right now. And you go, actually, I'm going to wait in this. I'm going to wait in this. I'm not going to run through, run away. I'm not going to avoid this. You may not have clarity, but you will have him. And sometimes we need to give up the idea that because we become aware of the presence of God, therefore all of our problems get solved right now. And go, no, oh my gosh, now I'm aware of you. I have you with me. Okay, the clarity I need is that you are with me, you are not giving up on me. I can give freely. I can live open-handed. I can do these things because I trust you versus knowing I figured out how to get this all to work out. And there's some trust in some abstract system versus your person. The last thing I'll tell you is a story my wife was telling me one time. Um, it's two, two stories. I'll do because they're just both fun. One's painful for me because it's my wife confronting me. Um, the other one is, uh, is fun because it's with my son. But my wife, one, 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 one evening is talking to me and trying to explain something to me. And I'm doing what I thought was the right response, which was, okay, help me understand more of what I did. Let me understand all that you're talking about. Okay, so you're saying that thing hurt you, okay? Okay, so when I did that thing, you know, I'm trying to do all these things, which looks like a lot of understanding. And then at some point she says, I don't need you to understand this. I need you to comfort me. I need you to hold me. I'm like, oh, I was seeking more clarity when I was supposed to give you presents. 
And so we go with God at times the same way. We're like, okay, give me a little bit more clarity on this guy. Give me a little more clarity on this. Give me a little more. And he says, no, I just want you to be present to me. Because I'm not going to give you more clarity on this right now. I just need you to just stop trying to figure this out and allow yourself to rest for a second. Not that I won't give you answers later, but I just need you to rest right now and stop trying to climb a mountain. Another moment, my son was waking up in the night again and I would sit in his room and he would, he would pop up and he'd look for me. And I'd go, I'm here, I'm here. And then he'd put his head down. And he'd pop up again. And then I'd go, I'm here, I'm here. And he'd put his head down again and lay down. Put it, look up frantic. And I'd go, I'm here, I'm here. And he'd put his head down and fall asleep. All the way until he completely fell asleep, Right? I said, God, man, that was a rough night. And Eric goes, you're teaching him how to respond to presence. Then when in his chaos, when he's looking, you respond, I'm here. And his heart settles. Some of you are popping your head up because you're anxious, popping your head up because you're trying to figure this thing out. You don't have answers to the stuff that you're going on. And God's just simply going, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You're like, you're like, my mom is, my mom is really struggling with this guy. And he's going, I'm, I'm here. Because sometimes we want God to give us the answer in his word to us. Right? We want him to go, this is how it's going to work out. This is the word I've given you. And this is how it's all going to go down. And then now you can walk up to your mother and say, this is what the Lord has said to you. We never address our heart never address how it's affecting us internally in connection to him. We're just looking for a solution to get out of our pain. We're going, I got to get out of this pain as quick as possible. Give me a solution that I can tell somebody. And God's going, I just, right now, I'm here with you. I'm not running. I'm here with you. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for all the work you're doing in this room. I thank you for every heart in this room. I thank you for our willingness to put our trust in you over all the answers. Lord, we say like Thomas, we, didn't, we haven't left the room. We haven't run for the hills. I don't quite understand all of it. I don't quite get the pain. I don't quite get how my brother could make that decision and cause that much pain in our family. I don't know how that I could all of a sudden be so believing in this and then I lose my job. I don't know how it makes sense for this sick family member to pass away. I don't know how it makes sense for all of these things, but I'm not leaving the room. And I need you to show me your commitment to me. That you're for me. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would do what you do best and reveal your son, Jesus. Reveal Jesus to us. He says, if he gave his son, will he not freely give us all things? We have confidence in you, Jesus. Confidence in you. Lord, if there's anything that we're grabbing a hold of for false security that is not allowing us to open our arms to you and open our hands to you. If there's anything we're grabbing a hold of that we're like, okay, we don't need to let it go and erase it from our lives. What we need to do is go, okay, hold on. I got to put it in its proper place and I've got to allow you to be my comfort. This isn't about quitting your job because it gives you security. This isn't about quitting these things because they give you security. This is about placing them in the right place and letting God be your first go-to. Just for a moment, allow yourself to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and see what his, what his words or his presence just starts to do to your heart. Some of you have not allowed yourself to mourn. Some of you have not allowed yourself to grieve. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit has felt far. And I pray right now that you would be honest about your pain, honest about your fear, honest about your anger, honest about your shame so that the presence of God may comfort you. God doesn't heal our egos. God doesn't heal our false self. He's not invested in the makeup. He's not invested in the cover-up. So we let all those things go so that he can heal our true self. 
Lord, let us be restful people who when sudden terror comes in, we know that you are our confidence. You are our confidence. We are anchored in you. Lord, as the Psalm says, you are our refuge and in you we wait. Oh man, Exodus 14, 14, Father, we pray that. That watch in silence as he goes out before us. Lord, in waiting, we know that you do what you do. I feel like there's just some just weight coming off people to feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could breathe like this because I'm just holding this thing down. And anytime it came up, I was like, okay, you can't think like that. You can't think like that. Allow yourself to go, wait, wait. My question is, okay, it doesn't scare God, but I can be comforted by him now, by his presence, not by an answer. So Holy Spirit, help us. share with you guys this morning. Thank you for your hearts and your minds and your attention. Thank you. Love you. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.